Hello, Second Cup listeners, and welcome back for episode six of the Joshua Year series, Fear, Freedom, and What Happens in Between. Today's episode is called, Don't Tell My Husband I Napped Today, and we're going to be talking all about the fear that we aren't doing enough. From that fear stems a lot of other fears. And we'll get to that. But before we start talking about that certain territory today, I want us to just stop and take an inventory of where we are in our journey towards freedom from fear today. See, I found that fear isn't really an all or nothing deal. It more like ebbs and flows with certain seasons or situations bringing up different areas of fear in our lives. It's helpful sometimes to just stop and take note of it. Are we feeling completely at peace today? Or are we completely overcome by anxiety about something specific? Or maybe if we just stop, we can feel this low-level anxiety that's been following us around but that we can't really place. If I'm honest with myself, when I take this inventory today, I've got that kind of low-level anxiety. I've been feeling it the last couple of weeks. It kind of feels vague and rootless. And when it feels vague like that, sometimes I have a hard time knowing what to do with it. It's like I can't place it, so I can't get rid of it. When I talked to Ethan about it, he figured I was just probably over-caffeinated. So a couple days ago, he came home with a box of decaf K-cups for me, which was very loving. And honestly, caffeine might have something to do with it. But I have been um, challenging myself. And I'm going to challenge you today too, if you're experiencing this kind of anxiety, to push push past the excuse that you just had one or two too many cups of coffee today or just push push past the um, urge to ignore it or just live with it or just fill yourself with distractions and instead take a moment to try to pinpoint where that anxiety is coming from. See, I feel like once we can pinpoint where our anxiety is coming from, we can begin to visualize it. It takes a shape. For me, mine takes a shape of like a big, heavy, bulky duffel bag that I'm carrying around with me wherever I go. And it's slowing me down and it's inhibiting me. And once I can visualize it, I can also picture myself handing it off to God. You better believe that every day I try to pick that duffel bag up again and God says, no, 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 I'm already carrying it, Deidre. Remember, you gave it to me. Stop trying to take it back. For me, this week, giving it to God, it looks a lot like walking and talking to him outside when I go on my afternoon walk with our dog. For me, it helps to talk it out right out loud and say something like, hi, God, I'm feeling anxious. I don't really know why. Can you help me identify it? And I've been finding that he is so faithful in helping me pinpoint where it's coming from and then saying, come on, give it here. 
so that I can move on with my days without always having that uncomfortable feeling in my gut. So today, my prayer for you is that you also would be able to identify any areas of fear and anxiety that are in your life and to bring them to God and see what he would have you do with them. If you think about the Israelites in the wilderness and Moses, he didn't just hear from God during that first burning bush moment at the start, just like we talked about in episode one of this podcast on having our burning bush moment, asking God to show us where to begin and what he asks of us in this journey. Well, Moses didn't just talk to God that one time. Exodus actually tells us that he talked to God intimately and often. He had a tent of meeting where the Lord would come and speak with him face to face. The Bible says, just as a man speaks with his friend. That's how intimately Moses spoke with God, and he did it often. Then he would return to camp and know what to do next, where to go next, how to lead the people next. Without those regular meetings with God, he would be straight up lost and assuredly straight up lost in his anxiety. I know I feel the same way. My days when I don't meet with God for a couple days, I am aimless. I am swimming in concerns and stressors and disorganization. Without God directing me, I get so lost in the wilderness, needlessly. So right now, my challenge to you is if you're feeling like a little bit lost in your anxiety and you're not sure how to navigate through it, as soon as I'm done giving this challenge, pause your podcast and just talk to God in the silence. Write out loud. Say it out loud. <laughs> Whether you're out walking or you're in your car, whisper if people are around so they don't think that you're talking to yourself. I don't care. Just talk it out with God and see if he can help you pinpoint where your anxiety is coming from and then ask him to take it. I can pretty much guarantee that you will walk away feeling lighter. One of the areas of anxiety that God has been helping me pinpoint is our topic for today. And it is this fear that we are not doing and achieving enough. And from that fear stem all sorts of other fears, like fear that we will be forgotten, fear that our lives are meaningless, fear that we aren't worthy. And I have been getting slugged with this fear. And I can tell you exactly where it has come from. A change in pace with my job. I feel like I could talk on this topic for days, but I will spare you and talk on this topic only for minutes. But I feel like in my conversations with my friends, this is something that consistently comes up. This fear that we aren't achieving enough 
And therefore, we aren't <laughs> proving our existence is meaningful. And that is complete baloney. But I believe it all the time. I get sucked into it all the time. So when I was teaching, it was very clear to me that my days mattered, at least in the sense of the world. The world. I was busy all day. Check. I wasn't wasting any time on selfish things. Check. I was molding young minds, which most people can agree is an honorable pursuit. Check. And in my time that I wasn't at work, I was feeding our family and walking the dog and preparing lunches and preparing backpacks and doing all of those things. So I was busy. I was proving my worth by doing as much as I could every single day. At least that's what I thought. And when I left teaching in June and entered into the summer and into this new season of life with new rhythms, Ooh, I started to flounder. My sense of self-worth started to flounder. Ooh, those first few days without regiment and structure and being told when I could pee and when I could eat lunch and when I could go home, Ooh, those were scary. And I thought that I would rejoice in the feeling of no Monday alarm, no Sunday night blues setting in, being able to stay up past 9 p.m. to watch another episode of Ted Lasso. But I found that that first week when I had that time to myself and Ethan kissed me goodbye and the Monday morning sun peeked into our house and I was quiet, the house was quiet and I was alone. I had suddenly gone from carefully planning every minute of my days to be able to curate them all how I wanted to. And instead of reveling in the flexibility and openness, these words came into my mind. Obsolete. Meaningless. Wasted. (laughs) The days stretched before me. And even as I tried to rejoice in my second hot cup of coffee, my gut began to feel uneasy. Questions started sneaking in as I looked around the empty house and thought about the new work that I was doing. As I faced my small, tiny, minuscule paycheck and work that I couldn't see the direct outcome, the question snuck in, what's the point? What's the point? What mark will I have made at the end of the day? I started to wonder. And worse, there was this other itchy concern. What if I didn't make a mark at all? What if I used my day to create 
or harvest or invest in something, but that it didn't come to anything at all. Those are the types of nasty existential thoughts that we see in Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon says, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And I don't know if there have ever been scarier words spoken. It makes me wonder, is everyone else mortally terrified that their lives are indeed meaningless like I am? Does anybody else look at their daily routines and strive to make a mark somehow, hoping to be remembered for something so that one day when you're long gone, someone can at least recognize your name or maybe erect a memorial or library in your honor? I think so. I think I am not alone in this from conversations I've had with so many people. I think we feel that if we're remembered by others, that maybe that's when our lives become worth something. I wonder at what point we can just safely say, I've done enough. Now I can rest. Sometimes when Ethan comes home from work, He'll catch me sitting on the couch, folding laundry, and maybe I'm watching my guilty pleasure show on Netflix. When I hear him pull in the lo- um, pull in the driveway, click goes that TV, and up I will jump, suddenly hoping that I appear flushed from doing something meaningful. He must never know that while he was hard at work, I was enjoying a moment of rest. I feel like I have to at least give the illusion that I was doing something meaningful, atoning for my flexible, happy schedule by ramping up on other duties. Um, Sometimes I feel like my rest is stained by an unseemly spot of guilt. I'd like to just say that none of this actually comes from Ethan. He's always saying, you don't need to prove yourself to me, whatever you did today. So I just want to clarify, this is coming purely from myself and feeling like I need to prove myself. Makes me wonder, why do we long to make meaning of our lives in the first place? Why do we feel like we have to prove that we've accomplished something each day? I wonder, why can't Laughing with our friends or playing card games in the grass be enough? Why can't having peace and thankfulness just be enough? I think that we long for meaning, desperately reaching for it with everything we've got because God makes meaning out of everything and we're designed to recognize it and look for it. Moths are adorned with eye-like dots to scare off predators. Certain plants are made to grow only in the perfect ashy environment of the aftermath of a wildfire. There's a moon that shines brightly at night to specifically relieve us from the oppression of darkness. If God made all of nature with a specific purpose and plan, then why do we think that our lives, the being born, the experiencing life, the dying, are just something that happens? A quick blip on the history of the world that doesn't really add up to anything. 
We are those whom he has created in his image. Surely he has imagined a beautiful purpose for us. And it's not even really our job to add to that. So here's what I'm now beginning to think. That when we breathe in, there is love. And when we breathe out, there is meaning. That our lives are hugely important, even if we don't really know why. Can you believe that today? I can believe it when I'm at my best. (laughs) I'm thinking that if our moments are spent communing with our creator, everything else is just glory and purpose and light. And in all of the moments that we're not spending with him, those moments are designed to draw us closer to him. When I begin to feel anxious that I'm not doing enough and therefore don't matter, I remember that those feelings are not coming from God. God is the author of peace, not of turmoil. So those feelings of turmoil in my stomach are not coming from him shaming me or telling me I'm not worthy. God brings order. He doesn't bring chaos. So now when I feel the chaos within myself, that familiar unease kicking my heels into action and whispering, waste, meaningless, pointless, you better get going. You better create something. You better do something with purpose today to prove that you are worth existing. I stop (laughs) and it helps me to remember that I am not the author of meaning. I never was. It was never my job to create meaning for my life. It was my creator's. And if he made me, even if it was just simply to delight in me, then that was good enough reason to exist. So perhaps I won't ever have a statue built in my honor. And maybe 100 years from now, people will say, Deidre who? But, oh well. (laughs) See, our lives are not without purpose. Because we breathe love from our creator into our lungs, and by default, exhale meaning. Every moment of our lives is saturated in it. Whether we're creating or teaching or cleaning or crying or taking a nap in the middle of the day, I don't always understand it, and it goes so against the grain of my very nature, my very achievement-oriented nature. But surely I am learning that God can make something out of nothing. Even if we have a day without any plans. Even if we achieve nothing. We still have meaning. Second cup, friends. I pray today that you go on with your days being able to pinpoint any sources of anxiety 
and specifically this week, that you are able to just rest knowing that it was never your job in the first place to prove that your life means something or to prove that you are doing enough in order to exist. I am sending my love and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week. Bye.